0: Welcome to the Phase World Podcast, engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to episode number 13 of the Phase World Podcast. This is Fei Wu. As a woman, I made a quest for Face World podcast to identify other women my listeners can learn from. The truth is, I have encountered many female leaders in and outside of work who have just so much to offer to other women and men. However, the opportunity to hear from many of them isn't always readily available. There are organizations, projects, however, such as the 3% conference that are constantly challenging the shortage of women's voices and leadership. I hope to become part of that movement by promoting women as guests on my podcast. It is recognized, however, by many podcasters out there, especially the most influential ones, that lining up women as guests on the show is a pretty difficult task. I've come to the conclusion, sadly as well, since launching my podcast in October 2014. Often due to scheduling constraints, I have less female presence on my show than I would like. But please stay with me as this is going to change over time. Well, for example, today my guest is Julia Holloway. I sparked a friendship with her just a few months ago. So unlike some of my other guests on the show, I have not known Julia for years, but our connection was obvious and immediate. At the time, I was seeking advice from other women who have experienced um, imbalancing a full-time career and the business of their own. In the hectic world we all live in today, where women often take on more responsibilities at home and at work than men, it was not an easy search for me, and proposing an hour interview on them seems like a lot to ask. Julia was very kind to let me into her world and conducted an interview on her professional life. Julia is a strategic distribution consultant at a leading U.S. provider of annuities and insurance. In addition, she runs her own practice and company called the Julia Holloway Consulting, where she focuses on business consulting and leadership coaching for corporate and individual clients. Julia's company will be the focus of our discussion today. Those of you who have contemplated starting a company of your own are really in luck today. We won't get into the details of how to set up a company. There are plenty of tools and resources online to help you establish the type of company you want. Julia, however, is here to help us understand the multifaceted nature of being a consultant and a coach and what she finds to be the most rewarding in her practice as well as how she overcomes some of the challenges. Julie's home and especially the room where I conducted this interview felt like a chick heaven. It must have been the most comfortable interviews I've experienced anytime, anywhere. Julia made me a cup of delicious oolong tea to sip on the entire time, and I was surrounded by gorgeous blankets, pillows, and other decorations that look like as if, you know, they just came out of the most loved items from anthropology. I only later to find out that many of the items were actually handmade by Julia. I was very impressed by her artistic talent and self-expressions. So make sure you go to my website at phaseworld.com, F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D.com. Take a look at the show notes, tools, and other resources. I have also included pictures of the interview room, i.e. Julia's office. Without further ado, please welcome Julia Holloway. You know, there was a moment that I recall after our last conversation and it's just how like honest and transparent you were, like how comfortable you were. You might not even notice that yourself,
1: to be <laughs> honest.
0: You know, I feel like in, in this um, today, a lot of times we talk to people for the first time. Um, granted, there's so funny, there's always um, alcohol influence, like you can't connect until you go to a bar and bar has never been my theme and I can't really hear people. I get frustrated. Last, I think last Thursday, I finally got together. Somebody from my old company initiated, like, we all kind of flooded into other agencies. Let's all come together. It's a love fest. That was actually the name of the event. And then I showed up. I remember this gentleman I loved working with John. He's like, Faye, he pointed out. It was so loud. He's like, I gotta hear all about the podcast. I said, I'm more than willing to tell you three seconds later we're just swamped with everybody all showed up at the same time and that was the end of that conversation you know um so it was just so fascinating a long way to tell you that i really enjoyed our last conversation
1: I, i did too and um i felt this immediate connection i came home to my husband i said oh my god i just met this angel it's really amazing um when I went to uh, coaching school, that was one of the key ingredients about all the people who ended up in our class together, uh, which was this idea of, of how can we actually have meaningful conversations with people um, mm-hmm. and find people where you can just skip all of the pleasantries and just jump into you know whatever they're working on, whatever mm-hmm. they care about whatever has meaning, and it's a really a pleasure to just, even with you, to just skip all the other stuff and just jump right in.
0: Yeah, and the workshop you mentioned, is that the Tai Chi workshop? Is there something in addition to that?
1: So I um, taught a three-day workshop with a friend of mine um, in October, and we called it the Alchemy of Awareness. And what we did is we took um, Tai Chi elements which is often called sort of qigong. Qigong Gong makes up a lot of Tai Chi uh, when you strip away, um, when you separate it into its basic building blocks. And what we did is I took um, five different coaching elements that I work on with my clients and integrated them in with the Tai Chi movements.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the idea being if you could create a bigger architecture of awareness, both with the body and with what you're working on in your mind and your behavior mm-hmm. that that gives you a, a, a broader access um,
0: like to, to yourself and to the world yeah
1: exactly i mean the idea being that the more you can ground your awareness the more choice you have
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of times and you know this from taekwondo but a lot of times people think of awareness as only meditation mm-hmm. they think about it only as a way of controlling their thoughts and that is such a or yoga? Um, you know, those are sort of two common practices people think about, and I wanted to be able to take um, some more generalized uh, body work, and then f- show people how you could access some of these principles in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. This is uh, really interesting. I wanna, I'm so glad we naturally uh, dove right into Tai Chi. What are some of the building blocks? Kind of not to steal your syllabus, but give people a sense?
1: Well, um, what you're doing in general, um, and I think it's, you're taking a choreography or a set of movements or practices and you're doing them as a lifetime practice or discipline Mm -hmm. so that the item doesn't have any intrinsic meaning anymore. It's really just a gateway or a framework to you know, practice, whether it's strength building or awareness building or breathing. Mm-hmm. So what we ended up doing in our workshop is we started with a few different components. One was a little overview mm-hmm. of the mind and body connection mm-hmm. and giving people an awareness of how important those two connections are. Then we talked a lot about awareness itself. What What is it? How does it come to you? Um, what are all the different avenues for building awareness?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked a lot about the brain and how the brain is constructed. And there's so many books on being able to change your neural pathways, and there's a lot of um, literature on it. So I wanted to give people an understanding of what happens Mm -hmm. automatically in our brains and in our bodies, and how we can practice ways of slowing those down and creating more choice. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then we worked on the learner-judger mindset
0: Mm-hmm. What's that?
1: Um, so that's a really fun um, concept. I'm doing another workshop on it on Tuesday. It's work uh, by a woman called Marilee. Her name is Marilee Adams. And she wrote a book called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life.
0: Yeah, I saw that as the yeah.
1: recommended reading. That's in my. That's right. That's one of my recommended books. It's, she has a very uh, simple set of concepts. Um, one of them is how do you distinguish between being in your judging mind versus being in your learner mind. Mm. And that runs throughout a lot of uh, Buddhist texts, but she takes it kind of into the everyday world Mm. for most of us. And she talks about the idea if you're, you have two paths that you can choose. You can be um, in a judger mindset where um, everything is defined by risk or what's happening with the other person or blame or fault. Um, And that tends to be often our our left brains at work, our analytical brains Mm and it's a very westernized approach. And what is it like to make a choice and be in more of a learner mindset? Mm -hmm. So that when we're up against obstacles or decisions we need to make or in relationship, Mm -hmm. we're thinking more about how we can open ourselves up to learning. And be more curious, mm-hmm. and the way she does that is by thinking about the questions you ask um, when you're in a particular situation. Mm-hmm. So are you um, asking yourself whose fault is it, or who's responsible, or who's to blame? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And a
1: lot of times, especially with women, we blame ourselves. Um, or can you switch your thinking, be more curious? And if you're more curious, you might ask yourself, you know, what can I learn? Um, Today, when you were coming here, I was really nervous. And um, I thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? Um, I don't even know what a podcast is. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and
1: I got very nervous about it. And then I thought to myself, no, this is what I'm learning. I want to learn about a podcast. I want to get to know Faye better. Mm -hmm. And so what can I learn from the experience? Mm -hmm. And it changed you know, my whole mindset about it. Mm -hmm. And when you're working on those principles, what's fun about the movement and the Tai Chi principles Mm -hmm. is it gives you an avenue to create broader awareness. Mm -hmm. When you create broader awareness, Mm -hmm. you can have a little millisecond to change your thinking potentially Mm -hmm. and to snap yourself out of Mm -hmm. uh, the judger. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, what's interesting is that this is something we didn't get a chance to catch up on, I've always been fascinated by how Eastern culture somehow is more regularly practiced by Westerners, and we actually talk. We, as in you know, my family, my friends in China, and I talked about this. And if you go to China today or other parts of um, Asia, people are very can be pretty frazzled, you know, day in, day out, work, 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 work. And even, you know, and then we thought to, to ourselves, and a lot of the books uh, about Tai Chi spirituality are written in English, better explained by Westerners. And I'm just so thrilled to to know that it's been not just explained, but also practiced. And,
1: you know, how, how do, you, do you find that fascinating? <laughs> I, well, well, I do, and it's also really fun because I practice Tai Chi in two different schools. And in the school... Where there are more serious martial artists um, it's a more complicated um, levels of course it's taught by two Chinese masters mm-hmm. um, all of the most of the people in there they they can sort of tell you the benefits, but they're really into the martial arts aspect of it mm-hmm. and the other class that I take in Somerville with Peter Wayne um, he has stripped away a lot of the choreography and and built in more accessible components. Those folks approach it, they want access to the Eastern, but but they use words to be able to define Mm. what all the benefits are, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. (laughs) Whereas the disciplined Chinese way, Mm -hmm. there's no talking about what the benefits are. Mm. You just apply yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you apply yourself to the discipline, um, you get all the miraculous benefits, but there's not a lot of verbalization of it. I This makes perfect sense to me because there's
0: so much more that I learned about my country, my culture, when I was here. And, you know, I'm I'm 31. I've been here for half of my life. And it's just, it's so fascinating. And I look back upon when I was in school, um, a lot of the frustrations I lived through. I mean, just psych- psychologically and also as you know that, for instance, going to see a shrink, talking to a shrink in in China, even today, it's getting a little better, but for the longest time was considered very uncool, like something that you didn't do. Whereas over here, the questions that the teachers, whether a Tai Chi teacher or school teacher asked ask their students, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? That was such a foreign question. and When I was first uh, approached that way, I had no idea how to answer that. I was very uncomfortable being approached with those questions honestly only at home because my parents were more westernized they would approach me with that but then from a professor a teacher outside of my home
1: uh it's interesting well I'm glad you're saying that because um when I went to coaching school which was three years ago um well let me back up I started my career as a lawyer um, so I was always much more in the left-brained um analytical thinking side and that's the way I grew up, that's how I went to school, Um, so when I got to coaching school, I was interested more from an analytical perspective, how to help people change, and the program is all about self-development, because you can't be a good coach Mm -hmm. if you don't work on yourself, and I can remember in the first module um, talking about feelings, and I Said to my colleagues, Why would I want to feel? I don't have any understanding of why that is relevant um, in any way. And I mean, I'm saying that with a straight face. Mm-hmm. So, even in this country, um, in most of the uh, worlds that I think we frequent, there's not a lot of talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made it my quest to say, Well, feelings, wh- what are those? Why do we care? And that's what led me into the body work uh, with Tai Chi, because I couldn't verbalize a lot of my feelings. I had to work through my body awareness first to figure out what I was feeling physically as a gateway to being able to name my feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, we share, we share that in common, so maybe that's both countries. <laughs> exactly. Uh, did you grow up in Massachusetts? I I did, I grew up in Cambridge. Oh, wow. So I haven't gone uh, more than four blocks from where I grew up. <laughs> it's a beautiful area.
0: I don't know. I probably wouldn't want to get out either. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think in some ways um, it's a little bit of a distorted view because there's a whole world and country out there and not everybody approaches things the way we do here. Mm. So it's, it's good to see what other people do, are doing.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really curious about your Commonwealth experience. Because um, let's just say it—it's uh, um, I'm interviewing a few people from Commonwealth School. Oh, and you are! I am. Wang so I was on the podcast. If you still remember him, I think um, he is—he was also a lawyer. I mean, he still is. Uh, yeah, just wonderful person. Yeah, he's really funny, and uh, I'm fascinated. Uh, I think it's a such an interesting school. And recently, I was able to coach. young man he's only 15 and his mom hired me to teach him Mandarin over the summer and because he by the time he entered into sophomore year and he was going to take Mandarin for the first time so when I coached him during the summer I had no expectation somehow he was able to almost have a very basic conversation during lesson number one and I was just stunned and and I said to his mom I said he's a genius you know, how could he do this? And did you hire somebody else? And she said, no. He just, he locked himself in a room. That's what he did. So, and and the, he's one of many examples of the kids um, I encountered at Commonwealth. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. And then I know it's very difficult to get in. It's like the, it's, number, it's the number one school.
1: When and- we laugh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> why, you know, what other people would say. I certainly wouldn't get in now. I mean, when... I was in high school. Uh, The school was founded by Charles Merrill. um, And I graduated in 1981. Um, But there was a group of us, and they were all girls who came from divorced families, um, grew up in Cambridge. There were three or four of us. And we all went there on scholarship. And Charles Merrill, out of his own pocket, not only started the school. But he underwrote the educations of so many people. Um, if you know you wanted to go there, he would he would help your family pay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a different place in the sense that there was still the emphasis on intellectual curiosity and a lot of rigor around um, doing things a certain way and applying yourself. But I don't remember sort of the competitive nature of, you know, well, what college do you go to mm-hmm. and, um, can you get into the school or not? It was such an unusual place that it kind of self-selected in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy to see that the school is doing well. I mean, it's, it's figured out how to survive after Charles Merrill, but, uh, what comes with that a bit is having to market itself mm-hmm. and, um, appeal to parents of kids and figure out well why would they want to go there? Well, well, it's because you can go to a great college. Mm. Um, for the kids, it's really I think about being around other kids who are curious, which mm-hmm. is that same word we keep coming back to.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, curi- curiosity and a welcoming nature have been the theme for my podcast. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so you guessed it, even without having to listening uh, and to listen to all of them and um it's it just fascinating because the people i choose are i think they're very different uh lawyer you know um you know fi- financial service agency advertising but then i realize all the people i want to interview have this like fundamental thing like personality and nature about them um, which is a curiosity that you mentioned and um i am you know last time we didn't talk about there are a lot of things we couldn't cover last time is your business practice mm-hmm. you know and um, strategy and uh, cons- strategy uh, strategic consulting and also coaching so I really want to expose my audience to what you kind of do there as well your um, philosophy and um, behind uh, behind your practice so
1: So do you think your audience, um, do you think a lot of people understand the role of coaches or would that be helpful to talk a little bit about the coaching business and how it compares to consulting? Where does it fit with therapy?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would love that because I think there's a lot of misconceptions associated with coaching. And um, for instance, some people associate that with the the Tony Robbins type of style. Mm Right. Right and going to a seminar. But there's something very unique about your practice and that um, you're a woman who works. So I I love that about the fact that you're working now. So a lot of what you do is not just in a theoretical level but also very practical. And
1: so, yeah. Maybe we can go back to that idea of um, sort of growing up in a in a more disciplined analytical world, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to a school like Commonwealth, you go to college, you go to law school, you practice law, you go into business. Again, um, a lot of left-brained type activities. Mm -hmm. For me, a lot of the more intuitive, you can put that pillow behind you, artistic um, work was suppressed. Mm -hmm. And I think deep down I understood that being successful as a person and a business person in either my personal or my career was really going to hinge on behavior Mm -hmm. and relationships and emotional intelligence all the quote soft skills. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that happens is when you're young and you're striving Mm -hmm. you can go a long way based on just working harder and getting better and producing more. And you typically hit an age where things start to reverse themselves and you start to realize, wow, I can't quite get where I want to with just the hard skills. Mm. And Mm -hmm. you hear a lot about soft skills, but you don't quite know what it means. Um, So I made a decision to work on a number of fronts. One was my own um, mental health. Um, you know, how could I be happier? Um, what did that mean? So that was about traditional psychoanalysis and therapy, which I didn't know anything about that. And I'm laughing when you said that going to shrinks in China is, you know, maybe not as accepted. I, I didn't know one other person who'd ever been to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Or if they did, it certainly wasn't talked about. Mm So that was my kind of my first toe into how I could make change in my own life. Mm-hmm. Therapy, um, to oversimplify, tends to look backwards um, and to look at your past as an underpinning for what's going on with you now. What was interesting to me about coaching, um, which by the way is a brand new field, it's it's literally just changing every month. Um, so over the past ten years, coaches were, it was a small little field that kind of grew out of therapy for practical purposes. And it was used for people who were not performing well, who, were, who needed help. So it was, um, uh, you know, more prescriptive from that perspective. Over the years, it's changed, and now what's happening is that people want to perform their best, and so coaches are coming in for high performers, not just people who are struggling. Mm. So, you know, coaching is, is goal-oriented and it's based on creating change, but it looks ahead. Um, it looks a little bit into what your, you know, how did you grow up, what, what's your value system, but really it's about how do you make change um, going forward. and. To contrast that with consulting, um, I also became very interested in organizational development, team building. Um, Those were the soft things that happen in business um, that aren't necessarily about what product you go to market with or how fast you are, how much money you make, but it's the day-to-day workings of how you actually get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I like the intersection of the coaching and consulting work because that's how you can help individuals mm-hmm. and orgs and teams change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who may need therapy as a uh, another factor, mm-hmm. you know, to help them break through some stuff. But you can make a lot of progress mm-hmm. on the other two fronts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is your practice almost kind of uh, equally
0: divided between personal coaching and um, corporate coaching, or?
1: Um, so one thing that might be interested uh, interesting for, for viewers, there's been a lot of stories on NPR about coaching. Um, there are a lot of coaches now, and so because it's a little bit more competitive, you've gotta figure out what's your marketing strategy and how you're gonna get clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to coaching school, I always had it in my head that I wanted to uh, you know, help leaders and organizations. Um, and the challenge is, in order to get the corporate work, you've got to practice. Um, so you end up getting a lot of individual clients as a way to mm. practice your skills. To, to be honest, the pay is with the corporate mm. clients, but a lot of times the assignments, those people don't really want to change. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to change at a surface level in terms of um, what the business context is. So in some ways, the private-paying clients who don't always pay a lot, um, usually they're up against a pretty major uh, transition they need to make, Mm -hmm. and that work can be really rewarding.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I completely understand uh, what you mean by that. And, you know, I I feel like what is the personal coaching structure i feel like you're very you are um if i just like take a step back and when i was 22 i joined a consulting group it, it was called sapien now it's sapien nitrile and i was 22 and don't consider myself a girly girl but when you stare at two by two and the matrix and racy diagrams all day you're just thinking to yourself like oh this is so dry and boring now, fast forward eight years later, these are sort of the schema and structure that still help me day in and day out. And it's a set of skills a lot of um, people graduating with a degree in marketing communication uh, get thrown into just agency world, don't have that set of skills. Mm-hmm. And I see that as a theme, you know, and even though the way we talk, and I, deep down I know that you have, a, you have a schema, you have a way of um, working with your clients that is so such a unique approach. And um, in my mind, I was thinking that will equal, equal, you know, kind of equal to guaranteed results versus just talking at a high level. So um, I'm curious how you work with individual clients. Um, and I think a lot of people on my podcast, as of now, the audience are, you know, people from consulting agency, lawyers. And it wouldn't surprise me that a lot of people are seeking uh, for um, individualized
1: programs. So would it help to just mm-hmm. talk a little bit about um, the trajectory of a coaching engagement to give you a sense of kind of what's involved?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, because it's probably somewhat of a similar methodology to a, a consulting engagement, mm-hmm. and maybe I can highlight along the way. You know, when you know it's going well, and you know when it might not be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so just to contrast in a consulting engagement you know somebody's hiring you for a certain expertise often Mm -hmm. and you may be balancing the idea of selling your advice so to speak or a process um, and either teaching it or bringing it to an organization or working with them to get a set of results. So in coaching the, um, the methodology that I use from the school i went to which is called the hudson institute the the underlying premise is that the client has the client has the answers mm-hmm. so in therapy to again use that to compare and contrast the therapist is often held up as someone who's got more answers than the patient mm-hmm. and the relationship is there's a wall um, an artificial wall between the the, the patient and the um, the therapist. And so right off the bat, um, you're not equals. Mm-hmm. The coaching engagement, um, the idea is that 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 we're equals. there there isn't this there's a professional boundary, but it's not the same sense that I have some answers that I need to impart on you and if you could understand my way, then that's gonna help you. Mm-hmm. Um, the process is really about me helping you unlock mm-hmm. what's going on for you. Mm-hmm. So I can maybe give you an example of um, a 30-year-old young man who I'm coaching who's been stuck in some jobs he doesn't like and has just gotten to a dead end. So he's, he's not working, mm-hmm. he's a very talented, um, handsome, uh, well-spoken guy. And he just ended up hitting a, a bunch of dead ends. And so he's not, he's not in a very good way. Um, you know, so the first question that I want to work with him on is, well, why, why do you, you know, how come you're stuck? You know, what are the, what are the benefits of being stuck? And so what we do is we try to unlock, uh, what's going on for him because only he knows the answer you know I don't have the answer so I work with him to identify you know what's going on with him and over two or three sessions we get a little bit of a a general background on what's going on for him and then we try to get at the underlying change goals and often the process is like peeling an onion what someone presents with isn't often really the goal Mm -hmm. Um, so for instance, he has a lot of beliefs about networking, a lot of beliefs about what he should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to dig through and find out well, what assumptions are you making mm-hmm. uh, about yourself, mm-hmm. about the market, about the people you're meeting with. Mm-hmm. And so then we, the key is to get a, a really exciting, meaningful goal to work on. Mm-hmm. And that can take a little while. That can take half the engagement to actually get at Mm -hmm. Um, what's gonna move you uh, to make to make a
0: change Mm -hmm. so I think every engagement is different every every person every client is different what um, typically on average how long could someone expect um, a change or how long is the program for typically
1: typically you contract with a client for eight to ten sessions um, they can run anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half mm-hmm. that's just kind of typical um, and and to make an engagement work it's all about the contracting process at the front end mm-hmm. so if we're not clear what your what the person needs or is working on mm-hmm. then there isn't going to be enough um, sort of momentum or traction in the relationship. So you spend a lot of time making sure you understand uh, what you can do with the client and what the client is up against.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is so fascinating. And I am, you know, the way I look at your coaching, uh, compared to sometimes, you know, in a corporate culture that is that you never insisted on yourself. And this is is something I feel like, as you mentioned, the methodologies, the client has the answers, but you unlock, uncover um, as a process, and very similar to, I think, facilitation and, and consulting. It's a very tough job to do, and it sounds to me that process is really helping the client to be who they wanna be versus um, for you to kind of build a structure and the theme around them force them into um, a certain corner so um, It's 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 really I, I can I can tell why it could be very rewarding
1: that way Well, it's fun because it's a paradox. I mean, you know on the one hand We mm. can't make much progress if we don't have a relationship mm. so you've there's got to be trust and that's why a lot of times in a more traditional corporate environment, it's hard to really get at that level of trust. Mm-hmm. Coaches are often perceived as being brought in by management. Um, you know, the coach works for the client. The coach mm-hmm. doesn't work for the company, mm-hmm. but still, the company is a—it's like a three-way relationship. Um, what you what you're looking for is um, to build trust with the client, mm-hmm. and then. I want to put a pillow behind
0: you. Oh no, I, I would just—I just had to <laughs> leave. This like so sorry. I just
1: love everything in this room. But then, but then the trick, and this is where the the tai chi work comes in, and the awareness, and the body work, um, can be very helpful because what happens, um, somewhat similar to therapy, is the client will often replay a lot of what is going on, uh, whatever the goal is, in the coaching relationship. And you've got to be able to give, I hate the word feedback, but you have to be able to say, what's the impact that that's having? Mm -hmm. So if you have a client who's consistently late Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, won't go there with you, oftentimes those are the very issues that are holding a client back Mm -hmm. in whatever you're working on. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to enlist the, the trust and you're on that client's side, and then you have to be willing to give the, the feedback and also follow your own intuition mm-hmm. um, and play some hunches with the client about what, what might be going on. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. So to for people to learn more about your practice, personal or professional, what is the best way to go about it now, like how they follow you and,
1: and learn more? Are you taking on new clients? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, you and I have had some great conversations about marketing mm-hmm. and how that applies to this particular space. And it's a really interesting question of um, of of creating a balance of putting out there on the web. so on my website, juliahollowayconsulting.com. dot com. Um, starting a series of blog posts about what do I want to say and what are some of the key themes and what's meaningful to me and what am I working on and what do I care about um, so I'm beginning to build up that little library mm-hmm. um, and then for coaching in general uh, there's probably a lot of misconceptions about coaches I'm sure there's not there are a lot of uh, um, not so great coaches out there and then there are some amazing ones So for people to do their research and to ask around, and referrals are the most important piece. Mm You know,
0: wonderful. Yeah. Um, And um, I know that we could have a feeling that you and I can and talk forever. And I want to respect your time. And again, I think I mentioned this. The moment I walk into your house, I was surprised, but I guess not yet surprised, and just beautifully decorated. And um, before I leave, I'll try to find. Little corners, maybe take a picture of it, isn't this pillow here. Um, I I sense that you are someone possibly with a daily ritual. Um, I wonder how you go about your day. Do you meditate?
1: Um, Great question. <laughs> um, we could probably we could probably learn from each other. Um, you know, I was attracted to Tai Chi originally because it um, it wasn't meditation. For so those of your listeners out there who find meditation a little intimidating, um, I got into a daily Tai Chi practice. Um, so that's something I do every day, where I'm using my body to build awareness. And um, you know, the goal is really to think about that observer self and kind of get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know meditation is about letting go of your thoughts and part of the challenge there is you stay up in your head when you're doing that Mm -hmm. and so I think a practice like yoga or tai chi or taekwondo or something where um, you almost lose yourself um, in the body Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, that's what I've been focused on Um, and I so I don't meditate I have it every year I say okay this is gonna be the year I do my meditation practice um, I do practice breathing throughout the day, stopping, feeling my feet, mm-hmm. um, and those kinds of things.
0: How many times a day do you typically practice? Oh, uh-huh. okay.
1: well, I, I catch myself just in, in, in brief moments. Mm. And then I do have a uh, practice every night before I go to bed. I, I wouldn't call it a gratitude journal, but I do jot down, um, you know, what happened to me very briefly, and I try to keep it positive. Mm -hmm. um what are the things um that I'm the happiest about nice nice. yeah I think that's very important
0: um and just to capture little moments in life and and that also gives you an opportunity to kind of pause and think what happened in that day or if you skip a day then you know something recently I you know (laughs) this is kind of a happy um accident I guess that um I didn't realize how much I was rushing through my life, and I consider podcasting, you know, I'm taking my time, I drive to my friend's house and do this, Um, but there's, but I always know that I discredit, like, how much I do on a daily and weekly basis, part of that is also taking care of my mom, whose English isn't very... Proficient, so um, grocery shopping. So one day, anyway, there's a scar on my forehead right now. I think that's like a waking moment. That's a Tai Chi waking moment. And I still look at it every day. So a month ago, I finished personal training and was rushing to see a movie. And I was rushing myself the whole time and making sure I was there on time, to communicate with my friends. And the moment I opened up the, um, but then I realized I had to eat something. We just, just like I had got the five minutes to coordinate everything, and my friend was calling me. I just felt this urge of, let me just get into Panera, get my smoothie. And I was picking up my phone and slammed the door ran right in, right into my forehead. And um, so, uh, it's so funny. That moment, I was like, oh, I, I thought I was so much worse than I really was. And it's no, no big deal. I went to the emergency room. everything's fine. I took a day off. And then I spent the time. And ever since then, for a month, I thought to myself, I need to slow down. And uh, every morning, it's on my forehead. I, I look at it. And I'm having this conversation. I'm talking about your daily ritual it's um it's part of a reminder for me to slow myself down and to appreciate uh, moments and you know I stopped appreciating. I stopped um having time to really think back of anything at all. And I wonder if you slow yourself down and um
1: Well, I know you must have hit your third eye, so (laughs) that's, uh, you know, something exciting is going on there. Oh, yeah, I mean, we all, I mean, we all, listen, we all do, we all do crazy stuff where we're not aware, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, something will happen, and you'll be reminded that you do, you have, if you don't slow down, your body will slow you down in some other way, so, you Mm -hmm. know, you want to look for the signs, um, in terms of little things like that, that's, Mm -hmm. that, that was your that was your own signal to yourself to do it yeah and you know sometimes you have to build the discipline in and then sometimes you just have to listen
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, you know i get excited i want to do everything all the time and mm-hmm. um, i have more energy now that i've had in a long time uh, to do lots of things and sometimes you just have to trade them off and mm-hmm. um, slow yourself down <laughs> <laughs> it's very true very true um And would
0: you have an upcoming workshop this Tuesday,
1: you mentioned? Yeah, so I'm doing a workshop um, with a team uh, inside a company. And I'm actually taking a piece of what I did at my Tai Chi workshop, and I'm putting it in a business setting. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to work on the distinction between learner and judger. Mm -hmm. And it's a group of lawyers, um, so it's going to be very interesting to take the work and actually strip it out from the body piece and we're gonna uh, be a little bit more in our heads, but to work with them on how they can catch themselves in that judger mode, Mm -hmm. super analytic mode, and what are the benefits of asking more open-ended questions and being more curious in their work. Awesome, Yeah, I I assume this is a corporate engagement, not an open workshop. Okay, so so I would love to be able
0: to observe one if you could uh, keep me posted either. Sure, you know uh, sure,
1: I'll share the slides with you. You can at least look at those for sure.
0: Wow, awesome. Yeah. And um, it's so funny because uh, I didn't realize that you were a lawyer until I really studied your profile. And I was, mm, real quick, I will. Um, so funny, I can talk to you all day. And uh, I was uh, done with a workout the other day, and I saw another young woman, just where she looked, again, very frazzled, and she's like, Oh, I go to Suffolk Law School, and, you know, being a lawyer is really tough these days. And this conversation happened a few weeks ago, saying there's so many lawyers, and um, for young lawyers, it's tough for them to find jobs. And I said, But if you say, Hey, you know, my name is Faye, and I'm going to interview one of my friends, who's my age graduated not long ago. And I'm so glad that you are doing this for lawyers. And it's just my opinion, personal opinion, that th- that's a group that they need this training, I think more so than anybody else.
1: It's yeah, well, I well, I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more and I'm laughing because I think, oh, you know, how do I, um, well, I struggle in taking a lot of the, the body work that I'm doing mm. and being careful to sort of preserve my corporate credibility and figure out ways to kind of sneak in these other lessons, you know, so that if I'm talking about awareness, um, you know, how, how do I get them to stay with me on what all the benefits are? Um, so I've got to kind of have to package it in a way uh, that, that, they can, that they can see how different kinds of thinking, so we'll stay up in the thinking brain, mm-hmm. what the benefits are. Mm-hmm. And um, if I could sneak in a few awareness exercises with them, that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. What's your age? Yeah. <laughs> what? What's their age range? Uh, oh, so that's there? a good question. I yeah. think it's a span. I um. think it's a span of some fairly senior folks mm. and some younger folks coming up through the ranks. Great. Yeah, so it will be interesting. That's awesome. Wow. This is, this is great. And uh, my
0: last question, if you have one. Of remarried. course. It, 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 this is you know the theme we painted at the very beginning is um, advice for women and I, I do that when I interview like a 22 year old like so let me tell you the things I wish I knew when I was your age and um, um, you know one way to ask the questions what would you say to your 20 year old self 30 year old self and um, well, what's a general more generalized um, sort of feedback for Women regardless of their career stage or you know industry at the moment There's
1: so much I want to share but I'd love to hear from you. Oh such a great um, It's a great coaching question Faye um, <laughs> You know, these are the kinds of questions we need to ask ourselves um, I I I wish that I had trusted my intuition and that I was more <laughs> <laughs> that I was more comfortable on being able to translate what we would quote call soft type skills or more feminine type skills. I think that I buried them for so many decades and now I'm excavating them all and it's so exciting and it makes me so much better as a business person and it makes me happier as a person. Um, I, mean I think that's true of men and women but, but women in particular I think really, really suffer uh, when they live on their, you know, complete analytic side, um, mm. it's almost like you're cutting half your half your body off. So that, that would be one. And the other thing um, to remind everybody about is that we all get very caught up in linear progress in a career or a life. You know, how much money do I make? Am I having kids yet? Uh, you know, all these things that we do and from my vantage point it, it's more like traversing a mountain back and forth it's not a straight climb And mm-hmm. if you can remember that a lot of times you can make a few lateral moves along the way and uh, you'll save yourself from uh, you know falling down the ledges too fast mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot safer and you'll preserve a lot of your energy mm-hmm. um, so no need to try to get up there too fast yeah Thank you. I uh, the audience couldn't see it. I was
0: ready to jump up and down. I, you couldn't possibly. Did I that. give you the right answer? Oh no, that, absolutely. No, I, I just love talking to you. Is because you you somehow you can actually get the words that I want to say out of me that I wouldn't be able to articulate those two areas. And as a woman, you know, thirty, and I I couldn't agree with those more. But you but well, well, you're an old soul, so i <laughs> just I'm have fifty, to, in, in yeah, you and yeah, you
1: just have to talk from you know. Uh, deepen your your cells and experience because you you know the right stuff to do. Thank you. Yeah, this is so awesome and oh, uh, so fun. Thank you. Thank you.